0: This is episode 19 of the Chick in Charge podcast with host and CEO of All in One Security, Mary Parker. Today's guest is Crystal Kadakia, author of The Millennial Myth. Kadakia's mantra is stop complaining and start modernizing. Two-time TEDx speaker and millennial, Kadakia has created an indispensable guide to resetting your generational lens and reshaping modern organizational strategy.
1: Welcome to the Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO, Mary Parker, celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the Chicken Charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. It's Mary Parker. I'm back with the Chick in Charge podcast. And I'm never alone. Today we have a wonderful, wonderful guest. We've got Krista Kadakia and also our co-host, Miss Sarah Smith with hello, Solution Rose, Hello, Mary. We can't do anything without Port. So Port's waving at everyone. Hey, Port. We're excited to be here today. And we've got some excellent talent. We're having a ball. We're going to empower you. So get your notepad out. Right. Get ready to share the information because we are streaming live from Facebook today. And so I'm going to go ahead and began asking questions of you, Crystal, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, let's roll.
1: Okay, let's keep this party moving. Today, what I would like to know, you are a millennial, And I'm so, so interested in the skills and the talent and the change that we are experiencing with the, with the millennials because you guys are all so smart. And you've taken it a step further. You're teaching and training corporations and other people how to deal with the behavior how to deal with the behaviors of millennials so now if you would please tell me how did you become or decide to become a consultant
2: yeah sure so you know my journey has taken me in very diverse directions so i actually started out in chemical engineering if you would believe that Mm i read that (laughs) (laughs) interesting so i started out in chemical engineering and I was working for a Fortune 500 company in engineering, and I was that person who just kept on asking all the wrong questions. It wasn't like, oh, how do we fix the pump on the line? Let me go look that up. It was like, how is the team doing? Are we working well together? And so I started having this calling towards training and human capital problems. And so I actually switched to designing training for engineers, and then I ran into this constant issue about seven or eight years ago, we really started seeing the word millennial in the mainstream. It was also Generation Y at that time, which those words are used interchangeably. Um, And I kept seeing the word millennials and I was designing programs for new hires. I had led the global redesign for the onboarding program at the company. We were doing technical training. I had a boomer as a direct report. And you know, everything we saw about millennials online in white papers and research, it was not vibing with reality. And I started realizing leaders are really struggling. They're really struggling to understand what is meaningful from all of this data they're seeing out there in media. And to be honest, they're still struggling today because where we're at now is we've had a huge volume of millennial stereotypes um, marketed, pushed out to us in the space, and it's become the rhetoric. And the rhetoric, the reason why it's there is because we've always complained about the newest generation. Um, I'm gonna complain about Generation Z. I think I've already started. And it's just, you know, it's a natural, (laughs) it's a very natural bias, right? We all have our way of doing things that we grew up with, and then someone new comes along, and of course they've grown up just a bit differently. right? And so I became a consultant in this space because I saw that we had such a virality of those negative stereotypes right. on media yep. that we've never had before. Why? Nobody predicted this. Why is that? Because of the invention of social media. Okay. So we didn't have the internet and digital technology and so many voices reiterating those complaints over and Got over it. again. Got it. Okay. And so now what we're seeing in this last two years, just for the last two years, we're starting to see a positive shift. But normally we would have quit complaining about millennials already. We would have moved on. I mean, the oldest millennial is 37, 38 this year. I mean, unbelievable. We're still talking about them as though they're the new kids on the block. And they're 38. I mean, I'm sorry, if you talk to a teenager, they're like, 38 is old. Yeah, that's so old. Yeah. Absolutely. What do those old people do? I thought that was old
1: <laughs>
0: until I was 40.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all the, a lot of research um, I've done has really, really helped me in two ways. One, in raising my grandchildren, I have from 17 to 25 mm-hmm. grandchildren. And uh, the other is I didn't want to bring a lot of boomers into a growing company mm-hmm. because when I'm ready to retire, they are as well. And I know I'll keep coming back and training and giving as much as possible, but I'm watching these companies just, you know, fizzling away and downsizing to no end because they don't wanna get rid of their current workforce. Mm-hmm. And with that, what do you believe is one of the biggest surprises we as companies are going to face, but just as importantly, what about the surprises you've encountered?
2: Mm-hmm. I, I love to hear how you have seen this challenge that companies are, you know, it, it's easy for us to want experienced talent. It's like, great, we don't need to train people when they get on the job because they already know the job. Yeah, okay, but anytime someone comes in, they're gonna need onboarding. Absolutely. And just because you felt like in the past couple of years you've had this huge population of boomers and Gen Xers to work with that are experienced, doesn't mean they're always gonna be there, to your point. So I think one of the surprises for me has been how short-sighted companies have been in this space. There are whole industries right now where the majority of the workforce are boomers, and the leadership is still not ready to invest in future talent. They're still thinking, well, I just want to hire experienced talent. I just don't get these millennials. I just think they're lazy and entitled and that's why we can't retain them. And it's that type of rhetoric that actually cre- continues to create the problem. You you get what you see, right? And if you, what you're seeing through your lens is, oh, these millennials are lazy and entitled, they're asking for all these benefits because they're the trophy generation. and that's not even the reasons why they're asking folks. And I you know, I can't I can't get there until people are willing to let go of this kind of biased lens they've got.
1: Well, I applaud you for stepping into an arena that's not been traded. When you're going into the corporations, the UPS is in is and talking about retraining them or training them to rethink their processes and the involvement of their workforce. That's huge. Now, what we've had here at All in One Security, I was, when I started my company, my primary objective was to raise up other generations of people who looked like me. Meaning, I wanted to hire African Americans, I wanted to hire women in this non-traditional male-dominated industry. In doing so, I didn't want to bring on all the old habits and I didn't want to bring in all the huge salaries. Rather, I wanted to bring a group of people to learn and also to train and teach me because as I grow I want to be I want to be better as well and one segment or one demographics will not get that so thank you for being so courageous, and I You're know welcome. we're going to hear lots about you. As a matter of fact, I, I, my granddaughter is out, and I made sure that she got the word that you were here today, so she should probably be online so that we hey, can... Hey,
2: how's it going? Yeah, That would be Amber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Amber. <laughs>
1: and, and I have another question. What was a problem that you were not expecting, um, in both as a chemical engineer first, and then once you decided that you didn't want to do any of that anymore, that you want to be... A chicken charge.
2: Mm. Yeah, I good think. Good question. That's a, that's a really good question. Really good. Um, I think one of the problems that I ran into, you know, even when you're making a, a career change as such a young person, right? Today, that's that's really often labeled as entitled, right? That's the big perception out there. If you're asking for these things, you know, why don't you just put your head down, just focus on your work? Um, Sit there and shut up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and look how long it took them to get anywhere. Right. Or I should say us.
2: Right. (laughs) Well, not you. You were always
0: doing the thing. Mary was, Mary, you guys are a lot alike, actually.
2: (laughs) And and that's what I find is that the, Mm -hmm. like, so, you know, I felt very lucky that I had managers who recognized why waste the energy and enthusiasm and potential she's bringing if it's just directed towards a different area and we can see that she's got that talent in that area, why not direct her there? Because that's only gonna help the company. Yep. But there are people who would look at that same journey and look at it as, oh wow, what a complainer. You know, She just couldn't put up with her current stuff and she wasn't loyal and mm-hmm. she was entitled and she just couldn't you know kind of vibe with the traditional mindset so i felt very lucky that i was in a company culture that actually valued those kinds of transitions and what i found is when i actually ask older generations what was your career path they are just as diverse yeah oftentimes they might be in the same company so they may not have switched companies as much to do those kinds of changes but when you're young nobody really knows what they want to do nobody really knows what they want to be when they grow up it's just back then i think I don't know if, and this is something I'm continually learning through my conversations, but sometimes it sounds like the world was almost more forgiving, like people were willing to mentor um, younger people, or you know, the idea of interns not having to solve your company problems. Right. Um, oh, you know, you're the millennial, why don't you create our whole digital strategy for us?
1: You know, Those <laughs> kinds of job requirements.
2: It didn't seem like that was really the norm. And you know, I don't want to presume that you know, but I, I've heard kind of the. Of course, I've t- I've talked to thousands of people about this, but at the same time, I'm still very cautious about making those presumptions. But generally, I would say, from what I've heard, it's the environment was a little bit more forgiving in terms of mentoring, training up the kinds of responsibilities you had when you started, um, and those sort of things. So, you know, it's kind of interesting to see. Sometimes I think it's turning the mirror. Sorry. It's sometimes it's turning the mirror into. Yourself and thinking back, well, what was I like when I was oh young? My gosh. And is it really that different? You know, these folks, the, the main difference is they've got digital technology to inform their choices. So they've got a lot more information of possibilities versus when, you know, in previous generations, you might have had what your neighbors did as a living, what your parents did as a living, what your teachers advised you, but you couldn't see the person in Hawaii who's, you know, able to survive by just traveling the world and creating a, a blog. Right. Yep. So it's the the differences to me between the generations. It's not all these stereotypes and values we talk about because really those sorts of things are actually fairly similar. They're human needs, and it's you know it's psychological needs that have always been true. That we're getting better and better at serving. What's really different is this: we grew up with digital technology, and that's creating a different. Um, whenever you have more data, it opens up your mind in yes. different ways. Absolutely. Right. That's always happened Absolutely. again. Time and again.
1: So with using this data and all the other things, how are you finding the, excuse me, communication abilities of the younger people?
2: Great, great question. Um, I love this question because on one hand, I could tell you my gut gut instinct is like, ah, we suck. (laughs) Like, there is definitely things that I get frustrated with personally about the way in which we communicate. So the first thing I'll say is, today we have a lot more options to communicate and so what's gonna happen what happens is our choice around those options is very contextual what is right for what situation so we're thinking about what's the right moment to text what's the right moment to call what's the right moment to email and whereas a previous generation might just kind of automatically default to the phone or you know the email or whatever the case may be Um, so the first bit I'll say about communication is contextual. The second thing I'll say is some people are very good at it. They're very good at this context. They know, okay, well, I've got a short thing that I don't need someone to instantly reply to, but it's a quick question. I'll send it over text. It's a one-liner. It doesn't need to end with a period, right? It's that kind of communication. And then there's, you know, the context around, well, let me just leave a voicemail or let me try calling them because wow, this text conversation is getting really long. And I think just getting them on the phone is going to help clear up a lot of back and forth. And that's great. So there's people who are using it well. Then you get to the part that frustrates me, which is the fact that you can ghost so easily. Are you all familiar with the term ghosting? No. You just text and then say you don't like talking to the person anymore. You just stop texting them back. Right, mm-hmm. you ghost on them. You just, okay. you're a ghost. You Got disappear into, no You more. disappear into the virtual <laughs> thin air right. that you came from. And where I see that, you know, when it comes to communication, you think about it. Um, when you used to make plans with a friend, it was you were committed because you could, once you left the house, you would already talk to them on your landline phone. There was nothing to immediately contact someone and be like, ah, I'm not in the mood anymore. Let's, you know, can we rain check? Whereas today it's, you can just text someone and you know, well, even if they're on their way, they I can still reach them. And so a lot of times what I'm seeing from a communication standpoint is there's a commitment issue that's related to communication now because it's easier to get out of things or decide day of yeah. or moment of rather than pre-planning. And then the other big issue I see is that ghosting is kind of just thinking, that um, these interactions don't matter as much, and so you can just kind of, oh, I got busy and forgot to reply back, and, and not thinking about the impact that, is that so has annoying. on someone. It is it's, so annoying. It's really annoying. Yeah,
1: but I also, uh, in terms of the communication styles, I, I look at the employees here. We bring, and I'm intentional about that as well, we bring um, high school students in for internships during the summer for two reasons. I want to keep up with the way they communicate, so that's number one for me. But also, it's important for me that we baby bo- that we boomers are intentional about transitioning and transferring the talents that we have to the younger generation. Absolutely. Because if, if we don't do it,
2: they won't know. And if they don't know, I mean, this is, this is the world, right? This is the pivotal time where everyone from this point forward is growing up with digital yes. technology. Yes, yes. So whatever you've got, if, you know, you don't pass it on and I don't pass it on, as a millennial, I'm that real bridge generation. I had like 10 years of my life where I wasn't immersed in technology. That's that transition point. And then after that, it's been all, so yeah, if we don't teach our kids. We
1: don't teach them, they're they're going to be lost, and I mean, we've got to help them or present them with platforms where they can begin learning this, this stuff really quickly and not be dependent on when they get home because some communities don't have the resources for them to, for the young people to emerge, so to speak.
2: And you hit the nail on the head. It was definitely around intentionality. So whether you're a millennial, whether you're a boomer, being very intentional around your communication method. So even if you're a millennial and you struggle with this because it's not as comfortable talking to people on the phone just try it and you'll find that kind of human connection it's it, you when you hang That's up the phone missing. you feel mm-hmm. a lot better mm-hmm. when you just talk and it's going to feel awkward i've done this i've called my friends out of the blue who you know we maybe years ago we might have talked much more frequently on the right, phone but right. now we just text right and every now and then i'll just still just call them and try to catch them if they're available and if we catch and we talk it's really a great feeling so it's kind yeah. of we have to kind of relearn and then for some people learn for the first time what that feeling is like.
1: Gotcha.
0: Mary, because empowering women also means women's health, It's so amazing we have an opportunity to partner with a fantastic new company, Lola. Lola was founded by women and they take a completely modern approach to feminine care. Their approach is simple and really smart. If we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, shouldn't the same be true for our feminine
1: care products? I'm so impressed by this company, Sarah. You know how I feel about a healthy approach to living and Lola is a perfect match for this chick in charge. I have to admit, I was surprised to find out that the FDA doesn't regulate materials used in women's intimate products. But Lola is completely transparent about exactly what is in their products. I trust Lola, and I trust their products.
0: I feel the same way, Mary. Lola's pads, tampons, liners, and wipes have no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics or dyes, just 100% natural cotton, and BPA-free tampon applicators. And you know, I've never heard of a feminine care company using 100% of anything. It makes me feel confident about what I'm putting in my body.
1: And so often, wonderful natural alternatives are hard to find. But Lola offers a subscription service. They ship directly to your home. Just go to MyLola.com and choose your product type, your level of absorbency, the quantity you want, and the frequency of delivery. We want to offer our listeners the chance to give Lola Feminine Products a try. We've been given a great opportunity, so ladies, listen up. Here we go. For 40% off of all Lola products, visit MyLola.com. That's mylola.com, and enter the chick in charge when you subscribe. Mary, my husband is
0: going to be so relieved that he doesn't have to run to the pharmacy anymore and, and buy these products for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Sarah. He'll be sent to the house. <laughs> well, I am delighted to give Lola my seal of approval. I'm Mary Parker, and I am the chick in charge.
0: I wanted to ask a question of both of you.
1: Oh, okay, go ahead. If you don't mind. Sure, please.
0: The two of you ladies are authors. Both of you are authors. So I want to Ooh. ask you both. I, cool. <laughs> I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I just seldom sit with two people that have uh, written a book. I can't remember the last wow, time. how <laughs> that. that makes us special. I
2: was going to say, we're doing good. I think yeah. that's very you've cool. You've got the
0: boomer <laughs> and you've got
2: <laughs> the millennial.
0: The millennial. And I think that I just think that's so interesting that the two of you have written about, you know, your lives and your opinions, and and I don't I don't know if every woman is is ready to go jump in and write a book, but I wanted to hear from your perspective and your perspective what is the what is the, uh, what's the thing that makes you sit down to write?
2: Hmm. What is it? Yeah. Uh, so I was speaking about the so I've had my business now for six years. Okay. And I had been doing these talks for about four years trying to change the conversation around millennials and there is a point where you realize if i'm going to have reach with this it's great to talk to audiences 500 600 people right that's fantastic right and that's scary too by the way (laughs) but you know at the end of the day if you can continue reaching more people it's just gonna help the message. So what helps me sit down and write? There's two things. One is feeling so incredibly compelled to share the message. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not about me personally. Right. It's about changing this conversation to help everyone. Yep. Right. Like I want boomers to feel valued, and I want millennials to feel valued. Right. And that means so means the world to me. Right. Voices unheard. That's really what I'm about. And right now for me, it's boomers and millennials. Maybe it's other voices unheard in the future that I want to champion and bring. In an inclusive way. Oh my so, gosh, love it! Yeah. You're so young
1: to have such strong and forward-thinking. Agreed. Mind.
2: And there's a lot of personal, you know, reasoning behind that of growing up, you know, in a very bicultural way. That's a huge influence on me. So when I think about it, there's that personal message aspect, and then the second thing is really setting aside the time to write. So I set aside two months from my because I was traveling cost, like almost every week. I was traveling for speaking engagements, okay. and I needed a pause. So I had two months of space, and I literally just wrote every day. And I was, I was sick of writing about millennials by the end of it. I was Got like, it. oh, my God. But <laughs> so you it did it. But I did it. But, you know, and it was, I think there's something about, um, and this is true for all work, you know. You, at some point, you really need to step back and find your way to focus in today's digital world. Yeah. And for me, it was, I mean, at some point, I wanted to rent a house in Norway to write my next book. Got it. Because talk about disconnection. I mean, Norway's gorgeous, yep. and disconnected. <laughs> um, we'll talk so things about like that, that offline. Look yeah, up. we went there, sorry, we went there for my my internet. My, my first international speaking engagement there last year. And oh, I just, how was it? it was so awesome. I just fell in love with the country, so. cool. Um, but those would say my, my two things. And I would never be afraid that you don't have something to say. I gotcha. think if I had a message for women who are writing, anyone who's writing, Don't be afraid that you don't have something to say. I was, when I submitted my proposal to Barrett Kohler, I had a a female mentor who, you know, we had talked for years and she just kept saying, you have such a unique perspective. I think you're ready to write a book. And I was like, no way, really? And so I put something together and she looked at it and she's like, okay, I'm going to submit this to the publisher on your behalf. And I was like, no kidding. I was like, I was going to go through 30 more revisions of this. And... You know, I think sometimes it, it takes someone supporting you yeah. mm-hmm. to tell you, like, look, this is good enough. Um, someone once told me, don't let your pursuit for perfection damn the excellent.
0: Wow. Um, wow. Don't wow. let your pursuit That's for perfection big.
2: damn the excellent. Wow. And it's just, I've kept that. We tend to vary. I think women, especially, we have oh such high standards. God. Oh, we, you know. And sometimes we're good. We're you know we don't need to be perfect to be good. To and and I think it's a really important message for people to know.
1: Yeah, and I had to realize that I'm first cousin to the spirit of perfection, but I wasn't getting much done <laughs> until I learned to accept an excellence. Right. Um, and so for me, I, I talked about writing this book for about five years before I did anything, but I had this woman in my life. And the reason I wrote my book was, two reasons really, and so many others spun out of it, but first was to empower women, and the other was to leave an impact for my family and community. And empowering women, I thought, we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we do now. Mm-hmm. We find reasons to Uh, Marginalize who we are and really we are the engine of the world but we don't give ourselves credit for it I had when I moved to Atlanta I met a lady by the name of Katie Daniels and um, my Katie thought I could do anything in the world she started convincing me that I could what was happening she was building my confidence and she called me her can-do chick I love it. And just as I was writing, I think I was probably in month three before I had the title of my book. And the, the aha moment came up and I said, ha, huh. the title of my book will be The Chicken Charge. Because I could now see my life and I realized I'd been in charge of something all of my life. But being the chicken charge wasn't the personality. It wasn't the, the an, an attitude. Rather, it was the position that we took. My mother took a position when she wanted her girls to be educated. My mother took a position when she was a sharecropper, a farmer, and didn't want to leave her kids at home all day. So she walked five miles in the morning to get to work, another five to get back home to check on us, back and forth for 20 miles a day, six days a week. And I wanted, and that was a story. That was my mother's story. And as I wrote, I realized that I've got my mom's story, I've got my grandma's story, and my story. So we all have a story to tell. My story just included so many people, but that's my life. And um, as a result of writing the book, and it took me six months, I wrote one day per week, but it was from nine until one, or nine till two, every Monday. And of the six months, I missed two, two Mondays. And I was so, so happy, and I thought, well, if you really put this in a time frame, it really wasn't six months. It was mm-hmm. over a span of six months. And um, and so the other, f- in, from an empowering perspective, I would also say that, you know, with your story, don't worry about how it sounds to you. Mm-hmm. But the information and your experience is what you're sharing with your readers. And that, to me, is very, very important. You're giving them shortcuts. You're helping them to avoid some of the pitfalls. You're giving them a sense of directions that they would have otherwise not had. And most importantly, you're sharing your spirit. You're sharing yourself with others. And I always say, if I can do it, you can too. You've just got to. You've just got to be determined that that's what you want to do.
2: That is such a touching. That is such a touching story. You know, just the generations and you know, what brought you here and what made you who you are, that's yeah. such a touching yeah. story. Yeah. And again, it's unique, it's really unique to you and what you've been through it and people can relate to it. Absolutely. So it's, it's a both and, which I think is, is so interesting. Yeah.
1: And same with your story as well. And, you know, um, I, I, I have to get to know you, you said it, but I'm really hearing mini-me in you. <laughs> I've never, I, I'm industrial as well. I was manufacturing in the automobile right. industry.
2: Yeah, you know so, what I'm talking about. Let's go fix. Let's go fix that yes. engine right there. Yeah, let's go do that.
1: <laughs> she knew
0: how to fix. She do it to fix cars, and then she worked at GM.
1: Amazing, That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. So it's it's been a great life. And it's
2: not about how fast you write the book. By the way, ladies, no. for anyone you know, anybody who's listening to this who's going to write a book, you know, I my my fiancé will tell you I'm kind of crazy when it comes to you've got to cram it in and just so you know that can come with costs so it's not at all about rushing it if it takes you two years to write your book or write it 10. just Who cares? do it if that's what <laughs> you want to do <laughs> right. yeah.
1: and, and the other tidbit of information I'd like to say uh, as it relates to writing the book it's, it's a story just tell the story figure out the order later but get it out you can go back because if you start thinking about chapter one you're going to say something in chapter ten that should mm-hmm. go in Chapter 1. So just tell the story, go back, organize it, and then build the content from there.
2: Ditto. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that that's another um, maybe series of four or five podcasts about how to write a book with Crystal and Mary, which I would oh, love that to do. That would be fun. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I would love to do that. Well, you it's know, very Sarah, cool.
1: That's, that's important because I'm talking with more and more people today right. that if I had someone to encourage me a little bit more back then, I'd probably – have authored would have authored about five books by now mary
0: they're still t- you know you're, writing you're, I'm on you're, on my you're still one. A, a young chick so keep going <laughs> keep going
1: we'll tell the senior citizens we'll talk about the senior citizens and our positions yep. um on one of the podcasts as well. i
0: want to give a shout out to um a friend of of crystal and of mine and who um needs to meet Ms. Mary Parker, which is Dr. Ben Kinzinski at Emory University at the Guzmada Business School, who introduced me to Crystal in December. Wow. Um, Yep. He invited me over to um, see uh, Juan Perez, who's the Chief Information Officer at UPS Speak. And I got there early and I got to see Crystal address The uh, executive ed program, you know, which is one of the in the top 10 in the world. So there was Crystal addressing this group. (laughs) Love,
1: love,
2: love. And
0: she she killed it. Um, And it was You know, I remember it. It was fantastic. And she's an excellent public speaker. Um, how can people get in touch with yeah. you, Crystal, if they want to reach yeah. you? Yeah.
2: Um, so first I would always recommend folks connect with me on LinkedIn. Gotcha. Um, it's just the best way to That's see what me. I and did. <laughs> always drop a note of like how you, how you come to find me. So if it's through this podcast, just let me know because it just creates that, again, that richness of connection. Very smart. You can, you can always email me as well and I'm sure you can provide that information. Yep. But it's. You know, see Kadakia at Very yep. easy. Very open, very easy to reach. Uh, Dr. Ben Kaczynski, really great guy, uh, really great professor yep. at Emory. Um, and what's cool is he actually included my book in the curricula for the Executive MBA what program. What a compliment. Wow. What a compliment. It's so cool. So every semester now I've been going in and just giving the class kind of the fresh insights that I've had over that um, quarter or Fantastic. that semester. And so that's what you heard, which I, you know, yep. it's just, it's always my top of mind, kind of, I, I really challenge myself to do the least preparation for his class, because what it gives people is the essence of what's really going on now and yeah. in, in how my work has advanced since the book came out. Smart. So it's really cool to see someone who is teaching an MBA program, and, you know, at Emory, right, top leading, top, one of the top business schools yeah. in the country, thinking about... Hey, how do we prepare leaders to have these conversations right. and to go in with a different mindset towards millennials? Yeah. So that's another thing I mean I would consider if there is, you know, any listeners out there who are in the education space. So think you know, I'm always open to people connecting and requesting a copy of the book to review it and that sort of thing because it could be that thing that helps change mindsets, you know, either at your workplace or, you know, if That's you're if you're training people. Excellent
0: point. So. Very smart. Very smart. Wonderful.
2: We're so proud of you. <laughs> Thank so you. So proud of you. Thanks.
1: Whew, I'm so full. I know. We've had a quite a <laughs> I was going to take the afternoon off, but. You've given me energy. I've got some things to do. (laughs) Holiday. I'm going to take the the actual holiday off Uh and not uh the week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say you could start July 4th early. (laughs) No,
1: we've got work to do. This has been a really, really fun day. Sarah, would you say that we've accomplished our mission?
0: I think that we have uh, created many, many new topics to discuss, and I know that I would I'd love
1: to have Crystal come back. I want to have Crystal come back, but for Crystal, sure. we have to also talk about you being a presenter. We have an online university, Facts University is launching in September. Oh. And of all the pieces I've covered, one of the most critical pieces I didn't, and that is your topic. Mm. So we're going to discuss that offline. That would yeah, and see, oh great. my gosh. So uh, thank you for opening that up for me. We will definitely have you back, and we're going to have we got to dedicate a time where callers, people can call in. Yeah. And we can yeah. you know, really engage you with the community. Yep.
2: We'd love to answer people's questions. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and just thoughts as you're listening to this, this sort of material come across. Because, again, it's a change in conversation. Yeah. Right? Yep. So it might not be how you normally think about these topics, but um, I think that's why it's fun. Because well, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not the same old it's millennial rhetoric conversation. you've heard. Yeah. You know, it's oh, yeah. weird. Where, where, oh, yeah. where do we go from stuff. here together, so. Yeah,
1: I, I am excited. I want to bring you in and.
2: Um, Thanks so much for having me well, today. you know, really I just really
1: thought of something when we have our annual retreat. We're going to bring oh, you in. Oh, my God. <laughs> Make a note of that. For got, it. But we're got, gonna, it, got, got it, got, got it, got, got it. That'll be in December. We'll get you booked for that. Uh, what can I say? It just get it keeps getting better, doesn't it? Hell yes. Yeah. So we're we're gonna you know we're starting out the podcast to do once per week. Yeah. But with talent we're, like we're, this we're and kicking, these we're kicking that number out the door. Yeah. yeah we're we're really we're really trending here, and I'm excited. Love. I hate to go, but we have to. Yeah. It has been the most informative day. I want to wish all of you a happy, happy, and safe Fourth of July weekend. Um, We're done for today, but stay tuned. There's more to come of the Chick in Charge podcast with Mary Parker, co-hosting Sarah Smith. Subscribe to The Chick in Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's tips for success. Tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chicken Charge.